So we return uh, this afternoon to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And let us reread verses 4 to the beginning of verse 8. Once again, hear God's word. Charity, or love, suffereth long, and is kind. Charity, or love, envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly or inappropriately, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. Chrysostom, who was a preacher in what used to be known as Constantinople, now Istanbul, he was a great preacher. His name was not by birth Chrysostom, but it was a kind of a title that was given to him because in Greek it meant one with a golden mouth. And he had quite a way of expressing the truth of God as a preacher. Uh, Chrysostom preached upon this great chapter that extols the excellence of charity or love. And very beautifully, he wrote as follows, that in these words that are before us, he makes an outline of the matchless beauty of love, adorning its image with parts of virtue, as with a sort of colors and putting them together all its members with exactness. But he says to his listeners, do not hastily pass by. Do not rush too quickly past these things spoken, but examine each one of them with much care, that you may know both the treasure which is in the thing and the art of the painter. Friend, when one has received the love of God in Jesus. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is the great artist and He begins a masterpiece. On the dark canvas of our sinful hearts and lives, God begins to take the colors of love and make a beautiful painting. And God can do that with you. There's no ugliness, there's no deformity that is a problem for this great artist who paints the love of Jesus in their hearts. And do you not see, Christian, many times when You observe a a Christian who's been serving the Lord for many years, the more and more she shines with beauty 
even though the, the face and the, and the form is not what it once was, that's, that's irrelevant. Because true beauty, true beauty is that of the heart. And you, Christian, who are struggling and you despair, know that you are His masterpiece. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So now let us not rush past, as the golden mouth preacher said, let us slow down and let us examine the colors and the brush strokes and how it all hangs together as God paints the beauty of love in the Christian. And the first color that the Apostle Paul calls our attention to is long-suffering. Charity, which again is an older word for love, it suffers long, or it is patient. Let us consider this beautiful, magnificent a color that the Lord Jesus Christ, the great painter, is painting in the lives of his people under two points. First, what this color is, what long-suffering is. Second, why long-suffering is so excellent. Paul is showing a more excellent way to these immature Christians who are way too preoccupied with things that are not half as important as they think that they are. He says, come, there's a better way. There's a more excellent way. It's the way of love. Charity suffereth long. Love suffers long. So first, what is long-suffering? Well, it means... Uh, patience. Uh, patience is another way of, uh, of expressing the same idea. And yet, this older term, long-suffering, is helpful for us because it more closely uh, expresses the very literal word there in the Greek, which is makrothumia. Makrothumia, which literally means small anger. Small anger, slow to anger, or suffering that is bearing long instead of having a short fuse. You know, if you're going to light dynamite, and I trust you don't do that on a regular basis unless you've been properly trained and you know what you're doing. But if you were to light dynamite, I would suggest that you would want to make sure that you had a long fuse because when you take the match and you put it to the, to the very head of the fuse, you only have a small amount of time. So you want a longer fuse so that you can you can get away as fast as possible. Well, this is what love is, and this is the first uh, 
rich, vivid, beautiful color of Christian love. It is patient. It is long-suffering. It is slow to wrath. So, because this word, long-suffering or patience, literally means small anger, we need to understand something of anger biblically. Anger is a human quality just as it is a divine quality. It is not, therefore, in and of itself sinful. The apostle in Ephesians 4 urges Christians, be ye angry and sin not. He doesn't say, don't be angry. He says, be angry and don't sin. You know, there's, there's a kind of a tendency, and it's a kind of a sickness that sets into religion and even Christianity, that because something is abused, there's a tendency to pull back totally from that abused thing and say, I'm not going to deal with it at all. Because some people abuse sex. They think that the higher form of devotion to God is just simply to commit myself to a life of celibacy. Well, no. Grace does not uh, step upon and steamroll over nature. It's natural at certain times and under certain conditions to be angry. In fact, it's unnatural upon certain conditions and certain circumstances to be indifferent. Be ye angry and sin not. And our Lord Jesus Christ could become angry. Indeed, he did. When he came into the temple, he saw what they were doing. They, they were degrading the temple by buying and selling, and he was angry, and he drove them all out. Or one time when he was about to heal a man with a withered hand, There were those who had anger in their hearts and Jesus could see it on their faces. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? And when Jesus had looked round about them, on them, with anger, he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. So anger is... It is a powerful thing, but it is not inherently a sinful thing. Anger is that forceful, personal response to what we perceive as injustice. And it is the driving force, the energy behind punishment. Anger seeks to correct what we perceive to be wrong by the use of some force. Really, anger is an exhibition or a carrying out of justice. If there were no such thing as justice, anger would not exist. Yet, it is a quality of the human situation that manifests itself only on account of the fall. Why? 
because there was no injustice before the fall into sin. Nothing to be angry about. Further, on account of the fall, it has become tainted among men. Sin warps and twists this good thing. Sin most often does this by loosening the controls on anger so that it runs to excess. It it unduly hastens and accelerates anger. Oftentimes you know if things are getting dangerous, if you find that your inner core temperature is spiking really fast, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Take a breath. Take a step back. Sin unduly hastens anger and it poisons anger and drives it to unnatural extremes. Third, we must consider how the word is used elsewhere in the Bible. Long-suffering or patience or very literally small anger. Love is small anger. Slow to anger. Love, as patience, bears with hardship and even injustice as it hopes for future good. Be not slothful, but followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The promises don't just drop right into our laps instantaneously without our having to do anything. But the believer needs to wait upon the Lord's promises and not chafe and become angry with God for that delay, for there's no injustice with God. So, believers need to love God and be patient with His time. And with the trials and the burdens that he assigns, and not to fight, not to resist. But this same kind of bearing of of hardship in the hope of good applies in the cases where believers are having to deal with their sinful companions. So God never does us wrong. He often brings hardships and trials, and he calls upon us to endure Patiently wait for my timing. But a part of that involves patiently bearing with others who are not acting like they should. Let's face it. We live in a world where we are taxed and burdened and wearied with the unkindness and the selfishness and the wrong-headedness of other people. But love, it suffers long. It is slow to wrath. We bear with injuries. If we are struck on the right cheek, we turn the other also in hope of future good. 
this long-suffering postpones personal justice out of a preference for mercy. This is a part of the excellence, this vibrant, beautiful, ravishing, shall we say, color that the great artist puts upon the canvas of the life of each and every Christian. Charity suffereth long. It postpones personal justice, and it prefers mercy. Jesus told a parable that there was a certain creditor, and he had two debtors who owed him, And one was brought unto this creditor, which owed him 10,000 talents, but as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. This is the same idea. It is that forbearing, that relaxing, that postponing of personal justice. I know I could insist on my rights right now. But I don't. And yet, how evil it was for that same servant to go out and find one of his fellow servants, which owed him a a hundred pence, just a, a, a pittance, nothing compared to what he had owed his master. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought or begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. This is not small anger. This is big anger. This is not short bearing. This is long bearing. Carrying the burden so much further. Charity suffereth long. And so the conclusion is that this dimension of love, this long-suffering, this, this patience, it is that virtue with copes with the grim human reality of sin and suffering. It copes with the grim human reality of sin and suffering by controlling one's anger and out of mercy delaying or even denying a rigorous insistence on personal justice. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. Slow to wrath. Slow to anger. Now, We've considered what this long-suffering is, this macrothumia, this small anger. Second, why it is so excellent. Paul says, Corinthians, you little children, 
Stop your bickering and your pettiness and your spats. And let me show you a better way. The way of love. Now why is love? And love as it is here expressed in this first striking, beautiful dimension of long-suffering. Why is it so excellent? Well, because it is so human. God made man a little lower than the angels. You're special, my friend. You aren't just simply a, a, a lump of clay. You are dignified. You are ennobled to be made in the image of God. How much more when you are reshaped and refashioned by the Holy Spirit as He transforms you from glory to glory. You see, you you lost the original beauty. You, You became distorted and ugly. But God is refashioning and reshaping you. Take heart, Christian. And this virtue of long-suffering is so excellent because it is so human. That is to say, is man a reasonable, intelligent creature? Well, this virtue is reasonable and intelligent. The mind of the patient one is in control of his will and emotions. Now, hold your horses, emotions. Slow down. Let's not get carried away. I know you've just been insulted. You have just been disrespected in front of all these people. But hold on, horses. Slow down, emotions. The mind of the patient one, the mind of one who has the love of God in him, in her, uses the mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind of the patient one does not rush to judgment, but is deliberate. It doesn't just go off half-cocked with a meager amount of evidence. It's careful. I know that things are not always as they seem. That there are two sides to every story. You ever notice, boys and girls, many times on the rear view mirrors of your, your car, those little words at the bottom, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Kind of rhymes, doesn't it? Got to be careful because appearance is not always exactly reality. That's why love is slow to anger because I could be making a colossal mistake right now. 
The mind of the patient one is concerned for truth and welcomes truth wherever it comes from. Observe, if love is eminently patient, then love is eminently rational. And so it is human. To be human is a good thing. To lack love is to be that much less human. Further, love, observe, love is a manly virtue. That's not to say that it's only a virtue for men. But it is, it is manly in several unique ways because love is a virtue with reason at the helm and consequently the whole man is subdued to his reason. Proverbs 16.32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. So, men, young men, do you want to be a man? Do you want to be a man's man? It's not all about swagger. In fact, it's not about swagger at all. It's not about how much you can flex or how much you can impress by the force of your your personality. If you really want to be a man, then learn love in the school of Christ. Learn love, for love is patient, and patience is manly. The best kind of a father is not a father who flies off the handle, who knows how to berate and to tear apart his son, to intimidate to cause his wife to cower. That's not a man. A godly husband, a godly father, is a man who loves the Lord and loves his neighbor as himself and therefore is patient. Is man... A reasonable creature, well, this virtue of long-suffering is reasonable and intelligent. Is man a social creature? Made in a plurality. Was it not good for man to be alone? Well, this virtue highly respects that reality. I'm not the only one who exists on God's green earth. So I've got to give some elbow room because I'm, I'm not the only one who got elbows in this world. Got to pay, got to be patient. There's got to be give and take. So many people, they can't cut it in relationships. So they don't even bother with marriage because they can't give other people space. They need all the space. But love is patient. It is slow to wrath. If you really want to have successful relationships, if you want to have a successful marriage, you must learn patience. 
because this virtue involves a chastened view of one's own importance. And it gives a due regard for the importance of the other. You count. Your feelings count. Charity suffereth long. Long-suffering is so excellent. This is a more excellent way because it is so human and because it is so humane. That which is humane furthers the good and the advantage of human beings. It tends to decelerate conflict by enduring injuries even repeatedly, by failing to retaliate. And retaliation only tends to incite more anger and recrimination, doesn't it? But there's, there's an amazing way with love because by patience it disarms the aggressor. A soft answer turns away wrath. Long-suffering is so humane because it tends to decelerate conflict and accelerate peace. Long-suffering is so excellent because it is so human, because it is so humane, and because it is so divine. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. He, He is slow to wrath. Oh, how heavenly, how heavenly is love in the life of the true Christian because it makes her patient like her father. As we close, oh, you impatient ones, come see the beauty that you have not. Come, look into the mirror of God's law and see the the deformity of this tendency to be so quick to anger and so impatient. Impatient under God's providences, impatient with His ways with you, and impatient with those whom God has put into your life. And here's a little secret. People have to be patient with you. That may come as a revelation. Oh, you impatient saints. And Paul was writing to Corinthians these Corinthians who should have known better. And they weren't acting like they should have been acting. Contemplate and adore this lovely love, this more excellent way, for in the womb of love is the lovely fruit of patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect, that is, fully formed, fully matured, developed. Don't Resist the grace of God.
And if you're a new creature, it's there. It is there. Sometimes we can't see it. But it's there. But let patience have her perfect work. Don't don't resist it. God's at work in you. He's, He's shaving off. He's sanding down those rough edges. He's put this person into your life who irritates you or scares you or demoralizes you. But don't give them power by becoming their slave. Submit to God. Humble yourself in the sight of God. Let Him lift you up. Contemplate your own childness, childishness. Tertullian wrote a a short treatise on patience. He lived in the, the second century. And he had to confess in the opening words of this little treatise that it seemed very strange to him that he should be writing on patience, a virtue of which I am all unfit, being a man of no goodness. I almost feel embarrassed having to write this treatise, and yet I'm a gospel preacher, and so I need to preach about patience. But he was humble enough to lament it, and that's the grace of God. Do you praise it, yet fail to possess it? Do you join with the apostle and offer love and her daughter patience, your highest tribute, yet do you mourn for her absence as a great evil? Oh, I'm so impatient. Oh, I struggle under the Lord's providences. Oh, I'm so, so irritable. What a short fuse I have. Confess your sins. Confess your lack of Christian charity and Christian patience. And I might add, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. I'm sorry for flaring up. I thought I had that under control, but the Lord, He's still working on me. Please forgive me. I shouldn't have said those unkind words. I said them in haste. I was wrong. Forgive me this sin. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. And then you'll see that grace of patience growing and developing within you. And Christians, seek after it earnestly. You know, we come to the Lord with our long list of of prayer requests, but do we have in those prayer requests patience? Lord, give me patience. Maybe you're afraid to ask it of the Lord because He'll actually give it to you. Again, Tertullian says, So I, most miserable, ever sick with the heats of impatience, I must of necessity sigh after and invoke and persistently plead for that health of patience which I possess not. 
But remember the words of the great physician, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open to you. He wants to give you patience. Ask for it. And patiently wait on the Lord in prayer, in the word, in the sacraments. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And last, practice. Practice, practice, practice. You've got to go back to those common fundamental elements. I just rewatched the film The Hoosiers, a story about a, a basketball team from a small town in Indiana. And these basketball players, they were very uh, eager to, to be going into scrimmage, but, but the coach, he just drills them and drills them and drills them again on the basics of passing and dribbling again and again and again and again. We've got to go to the basics. We've got to practice what we know. We can't get too ahead of ourselves. Practice. And Christian, if you've placed your faith in Christ... And the love of God is in your soul. Don't resist Him. Let Him paint on the canvas of your heart and your life. And love for charity suffereth long. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Please rise. Teach us, O Lord, the perfect way of Thy precepts divine, and to observe it to the end we will our hearts incline. Teach us patience. Teach us to be slow to anger and to reflect the beauty of our Heavenly Father. Go with us now, we ask, and give us a good uh, ending to this day, this Lord's day, for His name's sake. Amen. You may be seated.